<clears throat> Hello everyone, Mike Stokes, Wildlife Education. Today I'd like to talk about the coronavirus. Um, obviously everyone's thinking about it. And I think there's two things that are very important. Um, there's a website. Um, I don't think I have it in front of me. But it marks out the statistics of what's happening around the world, like how many people die uh, from the flu last year, which was, I think, approximately 20,000. Um, and how many people are born, how many people die, and uh, all the different giant measures of what's happening on the macro scale in the, on the planet Earth today. And the coronavirus is in all probability, statistically, going to be negligible in its overall effect of death and illness on the planet relative to other things. Um, Elon Musk has been chastised for saying that uh, you're more likely to die in a car wreck than you are from coronavirus, but statistically he's correct. So as much as I think it's important to protect yourself, and to um, not give other people coronavirus, especially elderly. There's a wonderful statistic uh, from that same website, which I'll, I'll try to post in the show notes, the website. And it showed the mortality rate for the coronavirus from zero, zero to over 80. And basically, no, there's been zero fatalities uh, if you're an infant up to nine years old. And then it progressively goes up like 0.5% to 1% to 2% every decade. And then by the time you get into your 70s, it jumps dramatically to 7%. And then in your 80s, it jumps dramatically to 14%. So it is very dangerous disease for the elderly. Not so dangerous for uh, the young and healthy. And no danger at all for anyone under 9 years old. Now, those kids can be vectors that bring it to people who are vulnerable, so you still want to be careful. So that's number one, and, and I think that underlines a, a, a big issue that is very important if we're trying to thrive in a world uh, filled with challenges and turmoil and problems. And that is that we are primarily emotional creatures. As much as we like to think of ourselves as rational, that's just not who we are. What we, we, the emotional, our emotional nature is what kept us uh, thriving and surviving all these years throughout evolution. We developed our emotional radar in order to help us survive. And it's very useful in a uh, small band of uh, humans or a, you know, a small band of chimpanzees, um, our closest relatives that are still living on the family species tree. Um, but in these larger societies, uh, emotional reactions can hinder us rather than help us. The biggest mistake that most people make around making decisions around things like the coronavirus or others is that we believe ourselves to be rational. I have a close relative who is constantly harping on the idea of how to separate uh, emotion from rationality. Uh, the problem is, is that he believes that he's irrational. 
that he is rational and not emotional in his decision-making process, but, uh, but he's not because he fundamentally doesn't um, accept the fact that mostly he's emotionally driven. So once you accept that you're emotionally driven and that your first response to the coronavirus is going to be an emotional one and not a rational one, then you can start to backtrack and be like, okay, I'm, I'm reacting emotionally. So now what would actually be more of a rational approach? So the, the instinct, the initial reaction is helpful when a cheetah is chasing you uh, to get out of the way, but that initial reaction in a more measured uh, approach doesn't really work. So in, in essence, uh, you want to practice um, in lighting, lighting up your prefrontal cortex and sort of suppressing or sort of calming down the center of your uh Amygdala, I think is what it's called. I'm not 100% sure. Um, the point is, is to acknowledge that you're, you are going to react emotionally to this global pandemic. And it is a global pandemic because many people are going to die, especially vulnerable people. But not necessarily you. And probably not you. Most likely not you. Uh, you might not even get sick, depending on how old you are. Um... So that's one part of the coronavirus that I wanted to talk about. The second part is, is this just came to me and I think this is a really great opportunity. You know, I've, I don't want to be a vector of the coronavirus. I don't want to give it to the vulnerable population. So I don't want to get it. Um, and if you look at the research, the latest research is that the coronavirus can survive for 48 to 72 hours on solid surfaces. The exception being copper. Uh, it can only survive for four hours on copper um, and only survive 24 hours on cardboard. The point is, and then it can go undetected in a human for uh, seven days uh, without any symptoms. So it's it's everywhere and, and it's, it's going to be everywhere. And the interesting thing is, is that if you really pause and you stop and start to observe the people around you, most people won't change. Most people... Uh, especially in democratic societies like the United States, will continue to shake each other's hands. They will continue to touch all kinds of surfaces. They won't sanitize their hands. Um, they won't do the regular washings. Um, but what you can do is you can use it as a mindfulness practice. So touching your face is... is so basically the, the most common way you transmit any type of uh, virus or flu or cold is by... Uh, touching something and touching your face, whether that be somebody's hand or whether that be a surface. So you touch it, you touch your face, and then it's in. So by being mindful of how you use your hands um, will really help. And it'll also give you a new body awareness, which is uh, a phenomenal thing to have. Um, if you're struggling with mindfulness uh, around touching your face, then by all means, wear a mask because you won't be tempted to touch your face if you have a mask on. Now, that's the real benefit of wearing a mask. The benefit of wearing a mask isn't because you know, someone's going to spit the virus in your face. It's because you won't touch your face. So on the same note, if you wear gloves, and then you're going to also be less likely to touch your face. So wear gloves. So those are the most common vectors. You, you, the, the important thing is to try to think statistically around these things rather than emotionally. Um, and, you know, the mainstream media is emotional. It's That's why we watch it is because it sort of taps into an old part of us that needs to um, react. 
in order to feel alive, to feel engaged, and to feel like we're somehow in control. Um, but if you pause back and uh, let go of that and just look at the basic facts, the basic facts are is that you know it's it's a community that if you if you take into account the seven day incubation period and the seventy two hours on most surfaces, it's it's gonna affect almost all of us and it's coming uh it's just coming um, and it's probably coming to you at some point unless somebody miraculously creates a vaccine which there has not been an incentive to do until now so so that's one thing to not be a vector and if you're elderly to stay or elderly or you have disease to to stay safe um, you don't have to hole up in your house, although, you know, that's a good thing if, if you feel like you're having symptoms to hole up in your house, but you do have to be mindful about what you touch and touching your face. So if you can't control touching your face, wear a mask or wear gloves. It's pretty simple. Um, and then you have to begin to be conscious about, uh, you know, you want to have a relationship with viruses and bacteria. This is something that, uh, I think is super important for modern uh, society. We just see all viruses and bacteria as enemies, which they are absolutely not. If we didn't have the beneficial bacteria in our gut, we die. Um, beneficial bacteria in our gut and in our armpits and on our skin um, and on our scalp and uh, all over our body uh, do all kinds of wonderful functions for us. There's, all, there's even been studies that show that if you have um, really uh, diverse, uh, rich, beneficial bacteria in your gut, you'll have more willpower. Um, the point is, is that we need to transform our relationship with bacteria and virus and not see them all as bad, but see it as um, a, it's kind of like a dance with other living creatures in the same way that we feel like we're dominant and above the animals and plants on earth, we need to have more of a humble relationship with them. Um, one way that I've heard it said is that bacteria and virus rule the earth. They are the true kings and queens of the planet, and we live by their grace. Um, if they, you know, go insane and, and take over, then they can take us out in a heartbeat. So uh, we need to learn how to live with them in a conscious way. So one of the ways to live with them in a conscious way is to become more mindful of your body movement. And with all the other mindfulness techniques, uh, it helps. So if you were to sit down and meditate, if you were to do yoga, if you were to do conscious movement, any of those types of techniques will help you become more mindful of how you move your body. Um, especially when you're stressed, when you have lots of thought forms in your head, and you tend to move in ways that are mindless. Um, that's when you pick something up and then put it down and you don't remember where you put it down because you went into a mindless... So it's not mindless, it's basically too much mind. So when they say, when they say mindfulness, it's basically taking your mind out of uh, a thread that you're just spinning around and bring it back into your body. So you're connected to the movements that you're making and those movements either being physical or the breath, which is another physical movement. So use this as an opportunity to be more mindful. A couple of words on immunity. Um, it's always a good idea to strengthen your immune system. I'll just give you a couple of things that I do personally and that I think are beneficial for everybody. I do not do pharmaceuticals. 
Um, I instead choose herbs and foods. Um, my personal choice uh, for immunity support is uh, bulk reishi tea, uh, bulk rapunchaga, uh, and astragalus. Um, also sometimes elderberry. Um, those are the main ones that I use these, use these days. Chamomile is also a very uh, good immune builder. Uh, and there's lots more. You know, uh, you can use your, your favorite, um, find your favorite supplemental person to do that. Um, I would say just several things on immunity building. You have to address your fundamental stress levels and you have to address your fundamental activity levels. Um, and... You know, immunity is a state of balance in the body, like Hatha Yoga, Sun Moon Yoga. It means to be in a state of balance in your body. So the parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems are constantly backing and forth. The sympathetic nervous system engaging when you're stressed and you need that energy to move forward. And the parasympathetic nervous system when you need to calm and relax and rest. So you need to work on finding a balance between your sympathetic and your parasympathetic nervous system. In modern society, almost all of us are overly jacked on our sympathetic nervous system. Too much stimulants, too many stimulating activities, too much stimulating visuals. So we need to come more into the parasympathetic mode. When you activate your parasympathetic mode, your immunity grows. And the immunity grows in the same, at the same time the immunity grows, um, uh, this is going to be kind of geeky for some of you that aren't really into it, but um, I now use a Whoop. Uh, I'm not doing any promo for Whoop. I just personally like it. Uh, don't get any money from them. I use a Whoop, and the reason I use a Whoop is because they're very good on the heart rate variability measurement. And heart rate variability goes up when you're in better cardiovascular health, better overall health, and when your immune system is in balance. So when you start getting sick, your heart rate variability drops. And when you start getting well, your heart rate variability rises. So I've been very... Uh, uh, much enjoying tracking my heart rate variability and really being honest with myself and seeing that when I have a late night sugary snack right before bed, my heart rate variability drops and I have a lower uh, resting and recovery rate. Um, when I'm about to get uh, some sort of flu or virus or cold, again, my heart rate variability drops as my body's trying to fight it off. So as you're doing your immune building activities, be that hanging upside down in an inversion swing or yoga or meditation or running or biking or surfing or hiking or whatever your chosen thing is that most resonates with you. If you have a way to track it and measure yourself, you know, there's an old saying that says, what gets measured gets managed. And most people other than professional athletes and, you know, really fitness enthusiasts don't really measure their overall wellness. So I recommend a heart rate variability measurement. Um, there are other ways to do it. I'm just not really familiar with ones that work other than heart rate variability. And again, you don't need to do that. I just find that, or, or I think it's a tried and true principle that measuring something will tell you whether the what you're doing to your body is actually working. It's very important to be honest with yourself and realize that if you're committed to health 
and um, fitness and vitality that you're constantly experimenting on yourself. And unlike a scientist, you usually don't evaluate the results and you usually don't go back and really check what didn't work um, other than sometimes just giving up. You know, usually sometimes we sort of like, oh, that sort of felt better. And when it feels better, we keep going sometimes if we have enough motivation. So the more ways that you can measure your uh, the way that the things that you're doing are affecting you, the better. Last thing I would say in closing is um, many people try to change too many things at once, like add five new supplements to your regimen or try to uh, on New Year's Eve, try to you know work out six days a week or whatever it is. You try to take on too much change or too many different types of change. Um, so what I really know to be the most sustainable way to achieve uh, long-lasting change is to change one small thing at a time. So add one small supplement to your regimen. Um, add one small exercise to your routine. Add one small cardio activity. Um, add one new type of meditation um, and sustain those for, uh, you know, for a month. I think it takes a minimum of 30 days. You know, the best way, uh, be hard, but the best way to really achieve knowledgeable results of your own experiments on your own health uh, is to sustain something for uh, half a solar cycle or a full solar cycle before you evaluate whether it's really working or not. So I hope that's been helpful. Uh, just to review, uh, remember that you are entirely emotional. Your first reaction is probably not the way to go. You need to sort of back off, meditate, relax, hang upside down, do some yoga, go for a run, and then reevaluate. And then uh, know statistically that you're likely not in much danger unless you're very elderly or uh, very ill. Uh, and then also know that, um, I don't think I said this earlier, but you're going to be dealing with other people's emotional reaction. And it's very hard to um, go against the social pressure tide. So don't try to convince others of your newfound peace inside of the crisis. Let them have their crisis. Um, because you're probably going to lose that battle and then they're going to think that you're um, uh, snotty or something like that. So just, just you know, fight your silent battle. Find your allies who are willing to come with you in this, this more measured, rational approach of building immunity and not infecting others and staying calm about your own uh, statistical probability of, of dying or getting mortally uh, sick from this disease. It's an unknown and the unknown is always scary. I guess I have one more thing to say. The, there are going to be real financial repercussions to this. There already are. But those are not really from the virus itself. Those are all from the psychological reaction of the mass culture on planet Earth. So we're not looking at a pandemic that's going to destroy the world economy. What we're looking at is a reaction to a pandemic that could really tank the world economy. But that's all perceptions. So you don't have to be one of those people. You should be looking for opportunities to help other people and for opportunities to uh, fulfill needs and to solve problems that will generate wealth and abundance for you and for others. Again, thank you for listening. Subscribe and hit the notification bell if you liked this podcast. Uh, and have a wonderful day.